Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. And so turn in your Bibles, if you would, with me this morning to Acts chapter 2. And uh, we're going to have a good time. We are in the, in the second week of our series, Simple Church. And uh, last week we had Pastor Casey, who's starting a church in Santa Monica, uh, coming up in a couple of months. They have their preview service coming up before that. Uh, but a good friend of mine uh, has been for a long time. We're helping them get that church off the ground. And we know that God's going to do great things. And so he was here last week, and uh, he was preaching to us on the thought of simple church, keeping in tune with what we're doing uh, the first four weeks of the year. And the reason I believe we're doing this the first four weeks of the year is because uh, God wants to set in place where we're going in 2014. And uh, so as I introduced the series last week, uh, we talked a little bit about how sometimes, uh, really I think for all of us, life can be really complex. Trying to figure out careers, trying to figure out relationships, trying to figure out how to raise kids, uh, trying to figure out how to make it from paycheck to paycheck, trying to figure out all of these things in our life, where we're to live, how we're to live, all those things. Uh, but there's one thing that I know as I read the Bible. God did not intend our, our Christianity, God did not intend us being the church to be complex. He intended it to be something that anyone could live out if they would just read this, apply it to their life in the simplicity of what it is, um, that if we would apply it to our life, uh, it would be simple. And so we're looking at a couple of key things out of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is what most of us refer to as the birthing of the New Testament church or the church as we know it today. Uh, but over time, what's happened is, is uh, we've added a lot to this. Uh, we've added our own uh, maybe context and content and ideas and thoughts of, of maybe what they were doing back then. And because of that, sometimes church can seem complicated. Uh, maybe take church out of it for a minute, but just living a Christian life sometimes can seem complicated when that is not what God intended it to be. And so we're going to look today uh, at another principle. Now, Pastor Casey, he laid out uh, a lot of the broad strokes of the church. Uh, but one thing he keyed in on, and if you missed this, go back and watch it. One thing he keyed in on was this principle called prayer. And, uh, and so go back and watch that. That was kind of in there. And so I'm not going to hit that one. I'm going to hit the other ones over the next couple weeks. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And it reads, and they devoted themselves. Now, who is the they? And they. If you don't understand who the they is, uh, you're going to miss the whole entire context of what then begins to take place. The they is not the apostles. The they is not what we refer to as the disciples, the followers, those, those the 12 that, you know, God or that Jesus appointed to go out and do all this stuff. The they is referring to the previous verse where it says this, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. There was added in one day these, these followers of Jesus, these people that said yes to the message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And so when it says they devoted, it's talking about you and I. It's talking about believers, okay? It's talking about Christians. And so they, the Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So everyone that called themselves a follower, everyone that called themselves a Christian, they were doing these things. And because they were doing these things, awe came upon everyone. And here's what God did. 
because these people were doing these things, God released the leaders of the church to fulfill their anointing and their call, which was this. What happened? Supernatural signs were being done. Signs and wonders were being done through the leadership of the church. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. There was generosity. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Not just the 3,000 that were added in that day, but as they did this, as they functioned as the church in the simplicity of these things listed here, which we're going to talk about, God continued to add to their number those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that Lord, you would communicate uh, the content and the heart uh, of this passage to each and every one of us. Um, Lord, I pray, it's, it's my, my sincere prayer, God, that as we walk out of Canvas Church today, God, we would see our relationship with you, our life with you, this thing we call Christianity, uh, in a simpler way, in that this year we could walk out this great relationship uh, and, and see great things happen in and through our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I, I love the Bible. The Bible is really a, a roadmap or a, a recipe. Uh, it's the instruction manual for all of us to live by. So what is written on the pages of, of, this, of this paper, it is meant for you and I to read and then to apply. And as we read it and apply it and do it, it works. Now, how many of you guys out there, you are not a recipe follower person. You are not an instruction, you know, manual reading person before you put something together, okay? Okay, the rest of you, come on, be honest in here. You just, you get the parts, you think, hey, I know how to do this, and you throw it together, right? And uh, inevitably, you either, A, miss a part of the recipe, and so something doesn't taste quite right, or you have extra parts left over after Christmas. Come on, somebody, Right? Sadly, that's the way a lot of us approach our life with Jesus. That's the way a lot of us approach this, this thing called Christianity or this thing called church. We, we don't really read the manual, and because we're not reading the manual, we don't have all the ingredients for making it a true success. Now, portions of our life we find to be successful. Portions of our life, man, it's coming together and it's working. But there are oftentimes areas in our life where we're struggling simply because we haven't read the whole recipe. Simply because we haven't taken the parts that God has put here on the pages of our Bible and applied it to our life. And so today what I want to do, I want to look at Acts chapter 2 and I want to look at the New Testament church and I want to pull some of these pieces together. Pastor Casey talked about prayer, its importance and its power. Today I want to focus in on this one thought and it's right here. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, okay, the, the, the Bible, the word of God, and the fellowship. And I want to look at this one thought of fellowship this morning. And I want to talk to us for the next few moments about what does true biblical fellowship look like? Now, as we look at the Bible and we read here, and, and, and last week we, we kind of touched on what was taking place. Uh, we see this in Acts chapter 1 and 2, that, 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 that believers, they, they went away because Jesus said, I want you to go and wait for the gift. 
And so they went and they were praying in the upper room, started with about 500, dwindled to about 120, and they waited. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And uh, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They began to speak with new tongues. Not only that, they were filled with power and boldness. And on that day, in power and boldness, Peter steps out and he begins to preach a message. And he begins to declare, and actually if you read his message, it wasn't a fluffy, feel-good message. His message was something like this. Hey, what you're seeing right now is what Joel talked about And it's found now in Joel chapter 2, what the prophet Joel talked about. And all of this is happening today because of Jesus whom you killed. It's not a real good feel-good message, right? It's not one of those, you know, build me up and I go out and I'm like, I can make it. Everyone there, by the way, this is what Jesus was, was doing on earth. And oh yeah, Jesus, yeah, the one you murdered, the one you killed. And they heard Peter preaching And because they heard this anointed message that Peter was preaching, the Bible says they were pierced to the heart. (gasps) I mean, let's be honest. If you just got, hey, you're a murderer, wouldn't you be pierced to the heart too? Right? He's pierced to the heart. (gasps) And they say this, what do we need to do to be saved? And Peter says, you got to repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Spirit. And then it gets to this point where it says, and 3,000 souls were added that day. I don't know about you, but when I read that and I look at the New Testament church in the book of Acts, and then I look at the church today, I'll be real honest with you, I don't see a whole lot of similarities. And so I start looking a little more, and I'm like, wow, 3,000 souls. And of course, as a leader and a pastor, I start thinking through this, and I'm like, 3,000 souls. And now, in the naivety of who I am, I'm thinking, that would be awesome if, like, this Sunday, 3,000 people came and got right with Jesus. Okay? And all of us would be like, that would be, that'd be awesome. But then in the leadership model of today, I go, what would we do? Right? If 3,000 people... That's a lot of people. That's like five services here on a Sunday. What would we do? I begin to think, well, we'd probably need, I mean, we need men's groups. We need women's groups. We need single mom's groups. We need recovery groups, and and we need healing groups, and we need small groups, and we need children's ministries, and we need youth ministries, and we need we need junior high ministries, and then and then we need people to lead all of those. So now we got to have leadership classes, and we got to have leadership development classes, and we can't just let everybody be a leader. So then we got to have like a six month training track so that they can become leaders, so that they can actually lead the, the three thousand that are that are getting saved. And then we probably need to do outreach because obviously three thousand people getting added in one day isn't enough. So we should probably go do some outreach. So we need to have homeless ministries, and then we need to have we need to have businessmen groups because we need money to fund the ministry. And so we need to have businessmen groups. And, and then, you know, if we have businessmen groups, you know, well, well, what about all the business women? Should we separate that or should they be together? I mean, can that work? And, and all of a sudden you're like, ah. But when I read the Bible, it's almost like they were prepared for it. And look at what they did. Now, now I, I read this and now think about it. This is their model for... This is their model for 3,000 people being added that day. Here's what we're going to do. Okay, ready. Program what? No, here's what we're going to do. We're going to devote. Now listen to that, devote. 
Now, we, we kind of lose it right there. We're going to do devotionals? No, no, no. That's not what it says. But that's what we interpret it as. One-year devotional. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. That's good. And I got my little Oswald Chambers devotional. And I'm going to read through that. And it's really cool because there's one set up for January 1st, and then 2nd, and then 3rd. No, it doesn't say we're going to do devotion. It says we're going to devote ourselves to these things. Here's what they devoted themselves to. You ready? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, I get that one. Of course, we're the church. We should devote ourselves to the word of God. That makes sense. If I'm in a math class, I'm probably not going to be bringing my history book. If I'm in English class, I'm probably not going to be bringing my math book. Okay, we're the church, so we should probably give ourselves to the word of God. Okay, I get that part. Okay, we're, we're going to give ourselves to prayers. Of course, we need to talk to God. That, that one I get. Okay, and, and we should do that. And I get this, this whole thought of breaking bread, really what it's talking about, it's talking about, in context, it's talking about taking the Lord's Supper. It's talking about what we call communion. And and, and one of the things we do in communion, the primary purpose of communion is to remember what Jesus did in our lives. And it's to share with others what Jesus has done in our lives. We can put it this way. We need to share our faith boldly. I get that. And then there's this one fellowship. We gotta devote ourselves to fellowship. And before man got involved and added all of their leadership content and added all of their spins and twists of, of what that looks like and what that needs to be, these are the four things that we're to give ourselves to. And I, and I can't help thinking back to, to Luke as he was writing this. Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but using his memory, he sat down and in the best way he could, he wrote an account of what he saw back then. And he sat there and he wrote, man, okay, what, what was it, man? That was so powerful. I remember that moment, man, the 3,000 people, they gave their heart to Jesus Man, if I could sit here and I could just remember, okay, what were some of the things we did? Yes, okay, we gave ourselves to the apostles. We gave ourselves to the word of God, okay? And then, and then you know what? We, we gave ourselves to, to fellowship. But here's what's happened over time. The idea of fellowship of what Luke was writing about has vastly changed to what we think about it today. And so we need to go back and we need to contextualize what was Luke talking about before we put our own spins and twists on it. What was Luke meaning when he said he, he saw fellowship? And I think once more, what I really love about this is the reason that they were ready for the 3,000 and the reason that they were saying, okay, here's what we gotta do. We gotta, we gotta be in the word, we gotta be in prayer, uh, and we gotta, we gotta share our faith boldly, and we gotta be in fellowship. They, they, they were so quick to do that because they had a teacher, and the teacher was Jesus, and Jesus modeled this for them. And so Jesus had so modeled for his followers, hey, when I'm gone, you'll know what to do. So they didn't freak out. 
They just knew, boom, simplicity of what Jesus did. He taught the crowds. I love Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four says this, with many such parables, the latter part of chapter four, with many such parables or teachings, he taught the crowds. But privately, when he got away with his disciples, he instructed them in all things. He taught the crowds, but then he pulled away in fellowship, in community with the disciples, and he broke it down so that they could, ah, that's what we're supposed to do, even though a lot of times they still didn't get it. (laughs) And so Jesus modeled fellowship for his disciples. Jesus modeled what community looked like for people. And so when the day of Pentecost came and all this stuff is happening, God's plan is being fulfilled, they just stepped right in. What did Jesus do? Okay, we need to teach, we need to break bread, Oh, we need to pray. Jesus did that a lot. And you know what? We need to be in community. We need to be in fellowship with one another. But see, when you and I hear fellowship, we might think of things like this. We might think of things like, hey, let's go grab a coffee together. How many of you guys like coffee? Okay, nothing wrong with coffee. When you think of fellowship, you might, hey, let's go, let's go to the pub, grab a beer together. How many of you guys like beer? Oh, nobody's hand went up. We're in church. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. It's amazing. Okay, if we're going to be honest with you, I, I bet you there's probably more beer drinkers in here than there are coffee drinkers. If we're going to be honest, okay? So many hands went up for the, for the coffee one, and then it's like, how many beer drinkers? And they're like. Wine? <laughs> and you, we think of that as fellowship. Hey, you want to come over for game night? And we have fellowship. I'm having some people over for the Chargers game today. We're going to fellowship, okay? And only if they're a Chargers fan. They tell me when they're there, they're a Broncos fan, I might drown them in the pool, all right? (laughs) And this is our idea of of fellowship. We hang out, we talk, we have a cup of coffee, you know, we do a game night, and and man, we we got some fellowship going on. To the degree where, honestly, if you were to walk into a a fellowship of believers, Christians, and you were to walk into a fellowship of those that aren't believers, don't know Jesus, really the only difference would be that if here's the fellowship of believers and here's the fellowship of those that aren't, that one of the differences would be they drink a little more than they do. They dress a little more provocative than they do, sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> right? These guys, they, they use a little more profanity than these guys. They play Monopoly, they play beer pong. <laughs> and all of a sudden we look, oh, oh, they're the believers over here. Yeah, that, that's it. They're the believers. Because we misunderstand what, what true biblical community is, what true biblical fellowship is. And because we misunderstand what true biblical community is, we are not fully fulfilling the purposes of God as the church. It's, it's not taking place. There's this missing element. And because there's this missing element, not only are you and I maybe starving in an area of our walk, but the, the world is 
they look at the difference between the church and the world, there really isn't any. Pastor, I really wanted one of those feel good, pump me up messages today. Okay, well, I'm getting there, okay? True, and so we're missing something. And because we're missing something, we're not, the reason we don't look like this so something missing. Reminds me of a lady who wanted some companionship. This lady, she wanted some companionship, so she goes to a pet store and she decides to get a parrot. She gets a parrot because the parrots talk. So she goes in, she talks to the, the pet owner. She says, you know, I need, I need a good parrot because I, I want some companionship and I want, you know, somebody I can, I can talk with. And so the owner goes, yeah, this right here, parrots are great for that. It'll talk with you and you'll just have a grand time. So the lady gets the parrot and she goes home, she puts it in the cage and it's in the cage and like two, three days go by and the parrot says nothing. And she's like, I think, I think my parrot's broken. So she goes to, the, she goes to the, the, the pet store and she goes, excuse me, I bought the parrot. Oh yeah, I remember you. Yeah, the parrot's not talking. Hmm, that's weird. You know what the parrot probably needs? The parrot needs a ladder because parrots like to walk up and down little ladders. And so you should, you should get a ladder and just lean it in the cage. And man, I guarantee you that'll make the parrot happy and the parrot will start to talk. And so she gets the ladder, she puts it in there. And sure enough, man, the parrot goes up and down the ladder. He stands on the ladder. He stares at her off the ladder. The, the parrot's still not saying anything. So she goes back a couple more days later. and She says, um, I got the ladder in there. And yeah, he's walking up and down. He's standing on it. But you know what? He's still not talking. You know what you need to do? You probably need to get the parrot a swing. I should have sold that right away. The parrot needs a swing. Parrots love to sit on swings and they like to go back and forth and it makes them happy. The swaying motion, the parrot enjoys it. So the lady gets a swing, puts it in there. Sure enough, man, that, 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 that parrot go up and down the ladder and sit on that swing and swing back and forth. But the parrot's still not talking. So she goes back a couple more days later and she goes in and she says, um, the parrot's still not talking. He goes, you know what? There's probably one last element you need. Um, parrots like to look at themselves and so you need to get a little mirror. So the lady's like, okay, I'll get the mirror. So she gets the mirror and she takes it back. She puts it in the cage. That bird would sit on that swing going back and forth just checking himself out in the mirror. Probably thinking, man, I look good. All right, walk up and down the ladder, stared himself in the mirror and, 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 and whatnot. And all of a sudden, a couple of days go by and she comes back in and she comes to the owner. She says, my parrot died. And the owner's like, what? Yeah, my parrot died. And the owner goes, well, did the parrot say anything? Before it died, it said, yeah, it looked at me and said, did they sell any food down there at that pet store? <laughs> and you see, I believe there are a lot of Christians living in this thing called Christianity in the church today, that they know how to go up and down ladders, and they know how to get on swings and swing back and forth and do all the right things, and they know how to, how to get ready for Sunday morning and look real good and look real sharp, yet there is a, there is a, there is a lack of depth in who they are because they're not willing to get in true biblical community where iron sharpens iron so the countenance of a friend sharpens the countenance of another friend. And so we find ourselves, but nothing's happening. We find ourselves, nothing's happening. And we get ready for Sunday morning and still something's, something's lacking, something's missing. And I believe it is this thing called fellowship that we see right here in Acts chapter two. As Luke was beginning to write this, the word he uses to choose is this word in the Greek, koinonia. And so let me give you the definition of this word. Koinonia means communion. And out of that communion, there are three things that flow. There's fellowship. It's a sharing in common, familiar, ordinary. 
But then it goes deeper. It comes from this word common. That means partnership or an associate. So when Luke used this word koinonia, and he says, hey, the church, I remember on that day when 3,000 people were added, here's what we did. We gave ourselves to the Bible. We gave ourselves to prayer. We gave ourselves to sharing our faith boldly. But we also gave ourselves to koinonia. We gave ourselves to friendship, partnership, Look at the words he used here, and an associate. Those are the things we gave ourselves to. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is what it kind of looked like. It's like the meshing of a family, a fellowship. It's a meshing of the partnership. It's a meshing of a team. And an associate, it's the meshing of this, this job. So the community, the fellowship that Luke was talking about, wasn't this fellowship of just... Did you want to grab coffee? Yeah, let's grab coffee. Did you want to come over and watch the Chargers game? Yeah, awesome, man. Good fellowship as believers. Go Chargers. It was deeper than that. And when you look at this idea of partnership and you think about a team, listen to me. The team that makes it to the Super Bowl, really the teams that make it to the playoffs right now, I guarantee you they did not get where they are today because they came together and had coffee. They did not get there today because, hey, dude, you want to get together and play some ping pong? Awesome. Hey, you want to have game night? Yes. Let's do it. They got there today because they're on the same team, which means they had a common goal, which means they had plays to achieve the common goal. And because they came together and they pushed themselves on towards being better, towards, towards mastering this plan, they are able to move on through the playoffs and hopefully one day the Super Bowl. Do you think successful jobs today and industries today just come together and like, hey, let's do, we need to get together and have breakfast, let's do it. Great pancakes, awesome, see you next week. No, they come together and they talk about the structure of their business and are they fulfilling it? What makes us think as Christ followers that getting together and having a cup of coffee is going to accomplish the plan of Jesus? No, don't get me wrong. Hear, hear my heart. Is coffee good? Come on. It's wonderful. Especially a caramel macchiato. Okay? Is game night bad? No. We should, we should fellowship with one another and have fun and enjoy life. But if our fellowship starts there, we are missing out on what Luke was talking about in Acts chapter 2. And if we miss out on what Luke was talking about in Acts chapter 2, we miss out on this part right here. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Those who are being saved. Is anybody listening to this today? See, I feel like in, in, in our Christian walk, like, hey, listen, I love getting coffees. But listen to me, in 2014, my coffees are going to have a purpose. Especially if I'm paying for it. If you pay for it, it'll probably still have a purpose. But... It's going to have purpose. Because when I look back, what Jesus modeled for his disciples, he didn't just powwow with them. He was intent on the purposes of the kingdom of God. He was intent on it. So let me just, let me just simplify this whole thing for you. And hopefully we put building block number two in place. Prayer. Talked about it last week. Okay. And now we, we want to talk about fellowship. Fellowship. True biblical fellowship. 
The basis of the fellowship that Luke was talking about was brought together by Christ. That was their common bond. This is where they found commonality. It was in Jesus. This is what brought them together. And so in that, this is what they talked about. And this is what they did. So the idea of fellowship, when you look at partnership, when you look at an associate in a job place, and you look at maybe a family setting, number one, just write this down. There's two components I'm going to share with you in the next couple minutes here. First one is this. It's challenging. And number two, we're going to look at it. It's encouraging. It's challenging and it's encouraging. True biblical fellowship is challenging. The reason the purposes of God are carried on throughout the book of Acts, the reason, and listen, we gotta remember that there's so much that could have been written about. This is our roadmap. But, but God wanted to make it simple. So he says, here, here's the things I want you to do. And as they gave themselves to this in the book of Acts, supernatural things were happening. As we give ourselves to this as believers, God's work will continue on. And one of those things he chose to put in here was fellowship. True biblical fellowship is challenging. It's challenging. It challenges you. Proverbs 27, 17. I quoted it earlier. As iron sharpens iron, so a man or a woman sharpens another man or woman. When's the last time you sat down for coffee with somebody and you walked away and you felt challenged? When's the last time you sat down and had coffee with somebody and you felt sharpened? If we look at this from a business standpoint and an associate in a job place, here's what we need to understand. If a job isn't getting done, the boss is going to come to you. And he's not going to be, here's what we do in the Christian world. If we mess up, we sin, there's things going on in our life that are wrong. We get together, we're coffee. How you doing? Oh man, I'm just, I'm struggling. I'm looking at pornography. Okay, man. Well, the last time we talked, you were looking at pornography too. Um, Are you looking at less than what you did last time? Yeah. Good. You're still in absolute sin. I mean, but good. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Great. You made, you made a step in the right. And did you? You're still in sin. But we, we have, awesome. You, you looked at less. Good. So what things are you putting in place to make sure that this week you look at it even less? Well, I downloaded this app on my phone. And, um, you know, I'm probably just going to throw my computer away. And, and I've got 17 more accountability partners now because 16 wasn't enough. And so I added a 17th just in case. So they can keep me accountable. Okay, awesome, good, all right. Well, let's meet again for coffee next week and let's see how you're doing. So you go for coffee. How you doing? Oh, man, I relapsed. What does that mean? I mean, I looked at more than I did the week before. Okay, it's okay, it's okay. Last week was a good week. This week's a bad week. The devil's just coming at you a little stronger. Okay, a little more intense. And so here's what we need. We just need to up the prayer covering and maybe add another, maybe add another like 18th accountability partner. And um, if we do those things, I think that, you know, I think that we'll make some progress in the right direction. Let's meet again for coffee next week. So we go for coffee. How are you doing? Man, I felt so much better this week. Like, I looked at it only three times. Good job. 
Now, if we take that same principle and we put it in a job place, hey, um, how were your numbers this week? Man, I didn't hit them. Why? Well, um, because X, Y, Z. Okay, here's what's going to happen. You need to hit those numbers uh, by this time, and if not, um, we're going to have a different conversation. And then the boss says, here's some things you can do to improve. If you don't do them, we'll have a different conversation. And by the third time, if you ain't hitting your numbers, your boss ain't like, you know what? Here's what we need to do. We need to get you in another, an assistant. Because the three assistants you have right now, your workload is just so much. No, if you don't perform in the job place, guess what happens? You're gone. And we seem to understand that when it comes to job. I got hired to do something. I've been given a task and a job. They laid it out for me. Here it is. You perform to that, hey, you get a paycheck. You don't perform to that, we'll get somebody else that can. Listen, in, in athletics, I, I mean, if the guy keeps fumbling the ball, oh, dude, it was, just, it was just a bad day. What did you have for breakfast? Okay, you need to try Wheaties next time. You didn't get your Wheaties this morning, man. Eat your Wheaties and you won't fumble the ball. No, what they do is they say, you know what? You fumbled three consecutive times. You're going to be on the bench. We got somebody else and we're going to put them in. And if that person performs, guess what happens? He gets the starting position. But yet somewhere in church, we've got in this idea of ours that, that if we keep on sinning and we keep on fouling and we keep on messing up, that our accountability, well, we just need more prayer covering, we just need another accountability. You can do it, you can make it. Now, is God's grace sufficient? Yes. But the last time I read my Bible, Romans chapter six says, shall we continue in sin? Certainly not. Why? Because God has a breaking point when he says, I'm done and I'm gonna get somebody else. You don't believe me? Look at Genesis chapter six. When God flooded the whole entire earth, what did he do? He looked at humanity and he said this, I am sorry that I created you. Oh, but Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Yeah, little ones. You ain't little no more. Grow up. See, we don't like this message. But this is what Luke was talking about. Listen, when are men going to start being men and own up to the fact that, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm like, I don't need to look at this stuff. I don't, need, I don't need another person to meet with me and pat me on the back and burp me and say, it's going to be okay, you'll do better next time. At some point, men need to own up, take, take, take ownership of the fact that, you know, God put a fighting mentality in me as a man. And I'm going to fight and I'm going to overcome this thing because if I don't, it's not only destroying me, it's going to destroy my wife, my future wife, my children, my children's children. So, you know, I'm going to take ownership of this thing and I'm going to realize that there is a power greater in me than sin and it's called holiness. And I'm going to rise up and I'm going to defeat this thing. I don't need to download another app. I don't need to get another accountability partner. I just need to suck it up and be a man. That's what I need to do. And if I'd be a man, then I'd overcome these things. I'd conquer these things. I'd defeat these things. Oh, pastor, you're not being very, very nice today. Yes, I am. I'm teaching you the word of God. I'm teaching you this. That's the nicest thing I could do. 
If our fellowship doesn't go beyond game night and coffee, ladies and gentlemen, we are not going to see the city of San Diego saved. We've got to challenge each other. We've got to encourage each other. And can I just say something to the men right now? Men, if you are single, listen to me. The greatest thing you could do if you're single is devote yourself to the church and lead in the church. It's the greatest thing you could do. Just do it. Because when a woman sees that, she'll know this. You're going to devote yourself to her, and you're going to lead her. But if they look around the church, and they ain't see no men leading, and they don't see no men taking those roles, you're the last one on their radar. Can I be honest with you? I feel bad for some women. Because they end up, they end up, if they really want to get married, they almost have to settle. But if we devote ourselves... So we gotta be challenging. We gotta, we gotta challenge each other on. And so in those meetings, look, man, knock it off. Now, yes, I know God's grace is sufficient. Yes, we need to wrap things in love. I get that. But listen to me. Jesus, and, and Casey talked about last week, Jesus loved his people so much that he came in with a whip, right? Love is not patting somebody on the back and telling them you can do it. Love is saying, look, knock it off. You're in sin. You're being stupid. Read the Bible, buck up, and get through it. And if not, I'll be your accountability partner. I'll sock you in the face if you do it again. (laughs) I had a friend of mine tell me that. My wife, when we were engaged, couldn't keep her hands off me. The problem still persists today. <laughs> I had an accountability partner. And he looked me in the eyes. He would ask me questions. Did you take her clothes off? Uh, did you do this? Did you do that? And I'm like, oh. He goes, if you ever tell me, one, first I'm going to sock you. And then number two, I'll pray for you. <laughs> That's accountability. Challenging each other. In every other industry, in every other area of life, this happens and this works. And so I don't care if you walk around. Listen, if, if, if your employer telling you, hey, look, you need to perform or you're going to be gone, if that puts enough fear in you to perform, good. But a bad employer is one that says, oh, it's going to be okay, and you keep not performing. Right? Now, let's get to the last part. It's encouraging. Yes, Pastor. It's encouraging. It's encouraging. First Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, if we had time, we'd go to the context of that. But for time's sake, I'm going to paraphrase the context of what the Bible's saying. Encourage one another. This is not the pat on the back. You can do it. This is looking at the purposes of God. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the whole earth. Subdue it. The original command, Genesis 128. 
okay? The encouragement is this. Hey, guys, God has a goal in mind for us. When we come together in fellowship, we're going to challenge each other, and then we're going to encourage each other into the plan and the purpose of God. It isn't. The encouragement that Luke is writing about wasn't like, hey, you can do it. Well, pastor, where does that come from then? That comes from your times of prayer and being in the word. And it builds up your faith. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the encouragement that you're thinking about comes from you being in the word. The encouragement that Luke is talking about through fellowship is this. Hey guys, we need to keep moving forward as the body of Christ. We need to continue to share our faith with other people. We need to continue to meet together and make sure we're staying sharp so that when anybody asks, we can give a reason for the hope that lies inside of us. That is the encouragement that he is talking about. It is taking once again that aspect of a job and saying, hey guys, here's our quota for the month. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go out and we're gonna accomplish it and here's how we're gonna accomplish it and because the plan is laid out and the goal is in front of us and everything is clear, we step out encouraged, believing that we can do it. Because somehow we, but I just need a shoulder hug. Okay, we can give those. But the true purpose of the fellowship that Luke was talking about was to challenge through love. See me smile, that means I love you. Challenge and then encourage on to the purposes of God. Here's one thing. I'll close with this. That, that, that means. It means we acknowledge our weaknesses and our failures. We address them. We get restored and we continue on. Okay? But we've got to acknowledge the fact that, you know what? No, I haven't shared my faith with anybody this week. Okay. Why? Well, I was scared. Why are you scared? Uh, because I'm afraid. Why are you afraid? Because uh, the devil's bad. No, you're afraid because you probably haven't been in the word building up your faith. Did you read the word this week? Yeah, I read the Oswald Chambers devotional. Uh, but it didn't talk about faith this week. I wrestled with this message that God put on my heart for the day. And the reason I wrestled with it is because those of you that, that have spent time with me outside of this context um, know that I really am a fun, loving individual. That's where all my staff said, amen. <laughs> if not, you're fired. <laughs> Meet the quota, you know. Um, And I wrestled with this because messages like this in today's society and culture don't go well. Because this is what we throw back at people. What? Don't judge me. 
I'm not judging you. I'm challenging you and I'm encouraging you. No, you're judging. No, I'm not judging you. No, the Bible's already doing that and the Holy Spirit is doing that and one day God's gonna do it if you don't change. I'm not doing that. What I'm doing is I'm having fellowship with you. But see, I want to go though on Sunday morning, Pastor, and I want to, like, I want to walk out like I can make it through the week. And I'm just going to be real honest with you: you're at the wrong church. If you're visiting today and you're looking for that place where it's like three points, so you can have a joyful seven days. I would rather give you one point in how you can make it to heaven and further purposes of God and further the kingdom of God. And now will you walk out of here encouraged? Hopefully you do today. But I hope you understand what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not putting on a cheerleader outfit and carrying out some pom-poms. Are you with me? Someone gave me a knife for my birthday this morning. I don't know if that was prophetic. I don't know if that was symbolic. I don't know if that was for protection after this message, but... I'm glad they didn't give me a gun, all right? It's, it's a knife, a little pocket knife. Hey, get back. But listen to me, I guarantee you this. When the enemy comes breathing down your door, you're gonna know that you have a pastor you can call on and say, hey man, this is what's going on. Will you pray? Let's pray. And then what are you doing about it? You're gonna know, you're gonna have some arsenal, some message that you can go back to Oh, yeah, pastor told me I'm an idiot and I need to be a man. All right. Now, wives and, and women, I did not give you permission to call men idiots, all right? Okay? I gave you permission to submit to your husband because that's what God designed you for. What? That's kind of sexist. That's the Bible. And so I wrestled with this message. But then I realized this. The message wasn't for you first, it was for me. And God worked it in me. He's been working it in me. And so when we're sitting down and having coffee in 2014, and I look at you, and I say, hey, where are you serving at in the church? What? Where are you serving at? When I look at you and say, hey, have you applied the tithing principle to your, the what? Hey, are you, are you in sin right now? Well, what do you mean by that? Have you read your Bible this week? Are you in a community group? Here at Canvas Church, we have community groups. Call them fellowship groups. Call them small groups. Call them whatever you want. We call them community groups. Our community groups, real simple. Our community groups are an essential part of what we do here at Canvas Church. And what we do at community groups is we take the message from the week and we talk about it and we hash it out and we ask this question, are you living it? I honestly believe that some sort of small group, community group, whatever it is, is essential to every single church. And so one of the very simple things that we give ourselves to here at Canvas Church is this thing called community groups. And in 2014, 
we're going to begin to make it even simpler. This is what's going to happen at your community group. They're going to challenge you, and they're going to encourage you. And that's where you can flesh out the word. Now, what did pastor mean when he called all the men idiots and said we need to man up? I didn't call you that, but you know what I'm talking about. And then we can talk about that. This is what, this is what that meant. This is what he was saying. Here's some more verses. Can you do that? And I believe that in 2014, God's going to take our church and is taking our church to a new level. But I also believe this, that he's going to release more community group leaders and release those community group leaders in greater pastoral authority and ability. So that when you find like, gosh, listen, 3,000 souls added. They had to call more than Peter. They had to have some people. And so they met from home to home house to house, had fellowship with one another. And that person's house became the, the safe haven, the place they could go to and say, hey. And then that person at the house would say, here's what we need to do. And that's where we're going in 2014. So that when the 3,000 gets added, come on somebody. And we're doing five services. We're not, hey, we need women's groups, men's groups. Because you're already doing it. It's in you. And I believe as we give ourselves to this church, you're going to become sharper. The lost are going to be saved. Jesus Christ is going to be glorified. And the church is going to grow. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Lord, I pray you'd forgive me as a pastor for misunderstanding and misrepresenting the true biblical definition of fellowship. God, I pray you'd forgive me as a pastor for leading maybe even some individuals in a misrepresentation of what that was and what that is. But God, I thank you for correcting Canvas today and me today and saying, Ben, this is true biblical fellowship. To challenge, to encourage, to push on in the purposes and the plan and the will of God. So I pray that this year you would take Canvas Church Lord, to a a deeper walk with you, a deeper understanding of 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 the roadmap, so that as we begin to live it out, we would be eternally changed, that we could get to that place where day by day you're adding to those, to the church, those that are being saved. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.